Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. You know that popular expression, we'll be doing it until the cows come home? Well, I've got a couple of cow tales for you today. First, I have a confession to make. I grew up in a small town in New Jersey. At the time, our neighborhood was actually somewhat rural. Not like it is today with wall-to-wall houses, paved streets, and New York City-style problems of urban congestion. But back then in the 1950s, only one block away, there was still a working dairy farm with cows and milking machines and all. The benefit of that was we always had the freshest milk of anyone I ever knew. But even better than that was the old-fashioned dairy bar that was part of the farm store. There you could get the best chocolate malts, milkshakes, ice cream sodas, sundaes, and the biggest, freshest, hand-scooped ice cream cones in that part of the county. And every summer during those hot Friday and Saturday nights, the place was a real hangout with wall-to-wall people lined up at the counter. They had to hire dozens of teenagers to work the freezers, cranking out pints and quarts of fresh ice cream for customers to take home and enjoy on their front porches and backyard patios. Ah, those were the days. Now you need to understand, my grade school was only a couple of blocks away. So on a typical school day, I had to walk down the street past the dairy farm to get to school. There was always such a hoot watching the cows watch me as they stood in the pasture munching on grass and mooing like cows do as my classmates and I walked by. Now remember, this was the 1950s when some of the most popular shows on TV were westerns featuring cowboys and sheriffs and cattle rustlers. So sometimes it felt like we were living on a movie set with real live cows for our co-stars. It was a pretty neat experience growing up there. That is, until that fateful day, the cows got loose. Okay, let's uh, get some uh, western music going here, just to set the stage and provide some atmosphere. Well, I woke up one morning to find our whole household in a tizzy. My mother was already up. She had awakened to the sound of our old black dial telephone ringing off the hook and sounding the alarm. What's a dial telephone, you ask? Well, that's a story for another day. Anyway, one of our neighbors, whose property actually backed up to the dairy farm, had been on the phone apprising my mother of a developing news story. My friend Jimmy's mom reported that they woke up to find a cow in their backyard that morning. So all the parents were speculating about what that meant for us kids. Would school be called off? Would we get to join a posse and help round up the cows? Well, stay tuned, buckaroos and buckarettes. There's more to come in this story. But first, a little scenic detour. Back in those days, our family's vacations consisted of traveling to a large lake in northern New Jersey, about an hour away, for a full day of swimming and picnicking. Back then, interstate highways hadn't yet sprung up all over the country, so my dad, the expert navigator that he was, mapped out a route that took us through all the back roads of Union, Morris, and Sussex counties. This included swamps, acres of farmland, forests, and even a fenced-off reservation where it was rumored they made gunpowder and bombs for the army. It was a very, very long ride for a little kid to sit through. 
so that old familiar expression, are we there yet, was heard quite often on these trips. My dad, however, came up with some inventive ways to pass the time, including pointing out certain landmarks that would pique our curiosity and provide raw materials for our imagination. One of these was a giant billboard that featured larger-than-life cow's heads. Honest to goodness, each of these cow's heads were about the size of the front end of a 1953 Buick. It was an ad for another local dairy, and whenever we passed this particular landmark, we knew that the lake wasn't too far away, and we'd soon be splashing and swimming in good old Lake Apatcon. Those cow's heads, though, often got me thinking. Why would anybody want to cut off a cow's head? And how did those cows get to be so big? Was somebody feeding them miracle grow? How come the cows at the dairy farm around the corner from us weren't that large? Speaking of which, <laughs> we need to get back to our original story. <laughs> so there we were, preparing to go off to school that morning, with visions of cows chasing us through the streets. As it turned out, school was in session, and we all dutifully went off, traipsing down the road with our backpacks, past the now empty pasture, with not a cow in sight. We all arrived safely, and for the rest of the day, while my teacher droned on about arithmetic, writing, and reading, my imagination was going elsewhere. Okay, let's, uh, let's bring in some more Western music. Ah, that's great. Perfect accompaniment. <laughs> so I began daydreaming about putting on my cowboy hat and spurs, grabbing my lariat, joining a cattle drive, roping those Jersey cows in and saving the day for our neighborhood dairy farm. Well, partner, that never happened. The only thing that happened to me that day was getting scolded by the teacher for not paying attention in class. While she was explaining the mysteries of addition and subtraction, I was participating in a rodeo of my own creation. It was quite the rude awakening when I was brought back down to earth and given extra homework to make up for my imaginary adventures. The long and short of it was, while we were all in school like good little kids, the dairy had managed to repair its fences, round up all the missing cows, and get back to the business of milking, malting, and scooping. By Friday, everything was back to normal again. The dairy bar was crowded as usual, the teenagers behind the counter were sweating up a storm as they scooped out hundreds and hundreds of overflowing pints of fresh-packed ice cream, each of them carefully and lovingly topped with a piece of old-fashioned wax paper to keep them fresh for the trip home. Back in those days, you see, we didn't believe in portion control or neat and tidy paper lids to keep the ice cream inside the container. We just let it all hang out. And what about the cows, you may ask? Well, the bittersweet ending to this cow tale was that the family that owned the dairy farm was getting on in years. So they eventually got out of the livestock business and sold their milking machines. Six years after that famous cattle jailbreak, my kid brother walked to school past big, empty fields, where once there roamed herds of cows munching on grass and mooing all day long. He never got a chance to experience that for himself. The only time he ever saw a real live cow up close was on a family vacation when we visited my great-uncle's farm in upstate New York. And the famous dairy bar also came to a rather humble, unassuming end. 
with a farm store being converted into one of those box-like convenience stores where you bought your ice cream in pre-packed, standardized rectangular cartons, probably shipped in from some factory in Philadelphia or Hackensack. That's the price of progress, my friends. Neighborhoods change, suburbs sprout up in empty fields, and dairies eventually move out to the real country, where you have to travel two hours just to get genuine, fresh-packed ice cream straight from the cow. Well, say goodnight, Bessie. (laughs) I'm Tom Nielsen, and you've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. See you next time.